0: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of War Stories with b Rax. This is B-Racks. It is November 24th, 2020. Um, I'm a little late this week getting the episode out. My buddy and I have been trying to go hiking once a month up in Shenandoah and try to do some fly fishing. Unfortunately, the fly fishing wasn't so good, but the hike was a good challenge. over three thousand feet of climbing, over twenty-ish miles, eighteen miles, and uh, it was it was a good time. It, it reminds me of the Marines, and definitely the toughest hike that I've done since uh, getting out of the Marines. Um, but uh, so to jump right into it, um, I the last time I spoke about Christmas, now we got our asses chewed on Christmas. Uh, but we also got to fire our weapons off, which was pretty cool. Um, so there was like a lull and I don't remember any combat for the month of January. Um, one exciting thing that happened that was exciting for us, it might not be that exciting for everybody else, but, uh, one of the, one of the mobile units, five, one, they're, uh. Staff, they had Staff Sergeant Kifu, who I think was the acting platoon sergeant for 5th Platoon as well. He was a mortarman by trade, and he was uh Tongan, and, or he might have been Simone. He was some sort of Pacific Islander, um, maybe Tongan, I think Tongan, but he was a big rugby player, uh, just a totally badass dude. He had already done a bunch of combat deployments and he seemed to get it he seemed to really understand what we were going through he was always getting into it with the co about stuff um he's just a motivator all around but he talked the co into letting him set up a 60 millimeter mortar tube and at instead of the ball dropping for new year's he fired off a handful of Illum rounds which don't explode they're just uh ...big bright flares that that make make it like as bright as daytime almost. So they, I was on post when they did it, but they fired off some mortars over the big ravine that the bridge went over to the north of our fob, which was kind of cool. Um, and time went on, and just freezing, super cold. This is when uh, I remember wearing two layers of Polypro, which are like Under Armour warming layers... Two layers of those, a layer of sweats, under my camis, and then they issued us, uh, these black, like, 500 mil, uh, fleeces, Columbia fleeces that were pretty sweet, and because the Marine Corps is silly all the time, we had to force them under our camis so we all look like, uh, the kid from A Christmas Story with our warming layers under our camis, uh, Obviously, you didn't wear any of the stuff when you're out patrolling just because you'd burn up. But when you're standing on post for 12 hours a day, it was very cold. Um, I also would bring some poncho liners that I could keep over my shoulders while I stood there in the middle of the night just because it was so damn cold. Uh, Then the next big item for me that happened was they called Stinson and I to the COC. And they were basically like, hey, remember that high-value target that you guys caught? Um, The poet or whatever. Uh, it, Reminding everybody, it's the story when my squad got grenaded. And the next day I saw the kid and he led us to a house. And there was a dude in the house. And then we went home. And then they sent us back out to get the older dude. So they tell us that we're going to... We have to go to Baghdad to testify in court against the high-value target. And we kind of looked at each other like, okay. And I was the I was the only guy to leave the FOB twice to go do one of these weird special things. And, you know, Hillsdorf went with me on the first one and I went up to Mosul. And then Stinson with went with me on the second one. And this one was... I'd argue a little bit more surreal than the than the first one maybe. Or it was just different. And we didn't really know where we were going. We just knew we were going to Baghdad. You're going to the green zone. Like we I didn't really know what that was. And so when the day came, sometime in early February, we loaded up our stuff and they told us that we were going to have to leave the wire in Baghdad. So again, we brought a bunch of you know, grenades and ammunition and stuff and we hopped on a convoy that was you know one of the routine convoys up to the dam to the battalion headquarters and that night we jumped on a or that maybe it was during the day but we jumped on a ch-53 and flew to al-assad like we had done in the past and then we ended up being there for um a day or two And, you know, enjoying the fruits of civilization again, so hot showers. Because towards the end of November or early December, our shower was hit by a mortar. And so we didn't end up getting another shower until March, I think. So, you know, you didn't get to shower. And some people use water bottles and stuff, and the cooks would heat the water bottles for you so they'd be a little bit warm. But a lot of people, myself included, just kind of said, fuck it, and just didn't shower. We're like, that's a lot of work. And we're only at the FOB one week a month. <laughs> and when we're at the FOB, we're getting like two hours of sleep between our shifts because we're doing every working party under the sun. Um, and fuck the cooks because we have to take their trash out every night. Um, but uh, So we got to Al-Assad, and then we went to the... Um, the, I don't know what it would be called, but red patch country. So we went to like where the, uh, where the CH-53s and stuff are and where they load cargo for the different places and where they unload the cargo from the C-17s when you first come into Iraq. And, um, I remember there just being this, just this cute chick. Um, and she was the same cute chick whose job it was to sign us in and out of Al-Assad, when I went up to Mosul and she was kind of like, Oh, you again. And, you know, I tried to spit a little bit of game, but I was an awkward fucking kid. No game at all. But, uh, so we get on CH 46 is this time and CH 46 is a little bit smaller than a 53, but it still seats, you know, 20 Marines in the back or something like that. It still seats a pretty good amount of, of people. And it was just myself and Stinson on the helicopter. And so they're like using a whole big two helicopters to fly us to Baghdad. And you know, we'd stopped, we basically stopped at every single base between Al-Assad and Baghdad. And that included Ramadi, Al-Takadam, Fallujah, Biop, which was, you know, Baghdad International Airport. And then like Anaconda, I think was there in Baghdad. And then we finally landed in the green zone, and I remember this trip was, at this point I kind of didn't give a fuck, so I brought my iPod, and I had my headphones in, and I just listened to music the whole time, but uh, I remember the tail gunner on this this helicopter was a female, and she was like super hot, and it was the middle of the night like usual, and I remember she just for some reason she gave Stinson and I who you know just two little Lance Corporals. Stinson was not small. I was about to say two little Lance Corporals. I was little. Stinson was a meathead. Um, but she gave us uh, each gave it like a, a fun size pack of peanut M and M's. And I remember it just being the nicest fucking thing someone had ever done to me <laughs> after freezing and all the shit we had been dealing with in fucking Hokkaido. And I remember, like, tearing up a little bit. It was the weirdest thing. It was like I had never, I'm not a sentimental guy to this day, and I never had been before. But for some reason, that was just, like, the nicest thing anybody had ever done for me. And so we're flying on the helicopter, and we get near Baghdad, and Baghdad's, like, huge. And it really seemed strange for us, because we were used to Haditha and Haklania, which is about as big as, like, my neighborhood that I live in now. Well, Baghdad, it seemed like just stretched forever, and maybe we were just flying super low or something, I don't know, but it just seemed huge. And we were flying over the city, it was wild because there was actually a battle going on during this time, and it was when uh, Sadr City was happening, a big army battle, big urban army battle that they did, and you know, they did a good job fighting and stuff, but, uh, We're in the back of the helicopter, and as you're watching the city, you see the grid going out. And so different sections of the city are losing power, and then the power's coming back on. And then a power was going out in a different section of the city, and then it's coming back on. So it was really just, like, surreal looking and wild. And then I remember there just being some bright flashes coming up towards us. And I don't know if it was, they were shooting up at us or like a rocket or something, but something happened and the helicopter just went into evasive maneuvers. And we were sitting in the last two seats right there at the rear door where the ramp is. And I remember just seeing the horizon just go like inverted. Like we basically dove so hard that the horizon went like past vertical. We were diving so hard down to get away from whatever they shot up at us. And then, you know, we, we went back and forth a couple different ways and then we just leveled back out, just continued cruising and none of the gunners acted like that was bizarre. (laughs) Nobody acted like that was weird. And like Stinson and I looked at each other like, okay, (laughs) and we just continued cruising. So we landed in Baghdad and when we, when we got dropped off, it wasn't completely obvious that we were inside the wire. Um. There was no one there to greet us. There was nowhere to sign in. We were just standing there. And we are it was just us. And the helicopters just took back off. And so we were kind of looking around. And there were, like, buildings. And there were these giant Jersey barriers, which were, like, 30 feet tall everywhere. Like, almost like a maze. And we were just, like dude, where are we? Should we be condition one? Should we rack around into our chamber? Like what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden an up-armored SUV, like a big ass suburban just pulls up and they roll down the window and it's this black dude. And he was in air force, uh, PT gear, which are kind of like wind, like a wind suit, wind jacket with pants, jogging outfit, whatever you want to call it. And he's just like Stinson and Russell. I'm like, and we're like, yes. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm tech sergeant so-and-so. I'm here to pick you guys up. And we're like, Air Force? That's strange. And so we hop in the back. And he's like, oh, hey, the chow hall's still open for midnight rats. Are you guys hungry? And we're like, fuck, yeah, we're hungry. We're starving. And so we cruise. <laughs> and another weird-ass thing is that we kept coming to these checkpoints. And there were military-looking people, but they were speaking Spanish. And then we were like, who are who the. Where the fuck are we? Who are these people? And the guy was like, oh, that's Triple Canopy. Triple Canopy has been hired to run security inside the green zone. And so there's just all these South American people with guns guarding everything, which was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> interesting. I guess you'll see all sorts of weird stuff in Iraq. And we. We link up with a female Air Force captain, and she's super hot, dark haired, short, just a babe. And she's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Captain So and So. I'm the lawyer that's going to be, I'm your guys's lawyer for the court case." We kind of look at each other, like, "I guess that makes sense." I mean, I had never been to court before. Well, I had some tickets in high school, but I never had a lawyer. Um, but it's like, okay. And then the chow, so we go into the chow hall and we're just so excited to eat. And the chow halls, it's crazy because we're driving through the green zone and we see, we're driving down the highway that has the really big sword arches that Saddam erected that lead to his palace or whatever. And we're kind of like just driving under him like, where, the this is crazy. So then we, we pull in and when, and it's Saddam's palace is right there and then the chow hall is right next to the pool for the palace which had one of those like diving platforms that you see for like competitive diving and shit at college and and then the yeah the chow hall had like an outdoor seating area and there's just like people hanging out in this outdoor seating area at midnight and they're just like you know not drinking alcohol but they're all like hanging out drinking coffee T- shooting the shit and we go in the chow hall and it's again just like when I went to Mosul it was like everything you could imagine pizza fried chicken just all the stuff and both Stenson and I just piled our trays up with tons of food like everything that we could fit on our tray and we sit down and so we start you know getting the lowdown on on the green zone and where we can go and where we can't go and stuff like that and what's going on and oh we have to leave the wire to go to court and oh it's going to be crazy and all the stuff i'm like okay and we each take like three bites of our food and then we're just stuffed and so we just had this huge tray of food and we just couldn't eat any of it and they in the two the, the the tech sergeant and the captain kind of looked at each other and were like you guys don't get to eat that much out there, and we're like, no, <laughs> like, and we're both just looking ratty as shit. Stinson looked better than me because he had his good camis, and when I brought my good camis, I they were dirty, but they were like my good camis that I had stopped wearing because I was just tearing up my other camis, and I had a, just holes and and like blood stains and like maybe some jizz stains from when I was on post by myself and was asleep and. Wasn't super accurate with my aim, but we just stunk. Like you know, my camis had salt stains all over them, and we finish eating, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go get you guys some bedding for the you know for the tent." And we're like, "Okay." So then we we go to some place, and they throw us like a big ass pillow, and they throw us these like fur—I don't know what it's called—but like almost like uh, like plush blanket they threw us like the the most comfortable blankets in the world and they bring us to this tent that could probably house 500 people this huge empty tent with just hundreds and hundreds of cots and and actually in racks and so you look around and there's like you know there's probably like 100 army dudes over in that corner but then there's like 20 marines over in this corner and we're like okay so we go over there and We, uh, get some sleep and it's just, it's just like when we'd go out to, to K3, we both sleep for like 12 hours. We lay down and we're out. And the only thing I remember from sleeping at that place is, uh, on our side, especially, it seemed like a lot of the Marines were having like nightmares or night terrors. They're like screaming in their sleep about war, like combat and shit. And it's just kind of like, Oh Um, so we wake up and it's the next morning and we don't have anything to do that whole day, the next day. So I was like walking around and I went in the embassy and it was just, it was no shit Saddam's palace. And so I'm walking around and like, I looked in the, in a door and it was the command center for the entire country of Iraq. So there's like four star generals and shit running around. Like general Mattis was probably in there somewhere. Um, and like I said, I was just looking ratty as shit and disgusting. And I saw this sergeant walk in with a clipboard and I was just kind of like, I was like, sergeant, is there a place where I can do my camis? And he like looks at me and he's like, uh, yes. And he says in this like super feminine voice. And I'm just kind of like, but he doesn't answer me. And he kind of just like walks away, like pissed off that I asked him. So this full bird colonel happened to be walking by, probably an RCT commander or something, probably my commander, and I didn't even know who he was, but some full bird colonel was just like, hey, devil dog, what's up? And I'm like, sir, I just got in from Hawklandia. They lost my good camis in the laundry. Like, is there somewhere where I can do laundry? And he's like, yeah, come with me. And so he, uh, he walked me out front and he's like, see that trailer right there? That trailer's got showers and laundry in it. And I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds dope. And so I basically went uh, (laughs) with what I was wearing. I just like threw my stuff in the laundry machine, in the washer, and then hopped in the shower. And um, I might have had a set of clean sweatpants and sweatshirt, like Marine Corps, the green Marine sweater. And so when I was done, I took a long ass shower (laughs) just because I had nothing to do that whole day. I had nowhere to be. And then I got out and I just chilled, and I think I had a book that I read while my stuff dried, and then I had nice clean cameos. They were still torn up and had holes in them and stuff, but at least they were clean, which was pretty awesome. Um, and then just continued roaming around, went to the the phone center, went to the barbershop. There's a, like an actual barbershop in, uh, in the palace, which we just had one set of clippers for our company. And so you would basically just shave around the bottom of your hair because the Marine Corps regulations are, it has to evenly fade from zero to up to three inches. And so we were all like, like six inches on top and we all just would fade the bottom and base in our hair was also dirty that it would just stay nappy up under our helmet. Plus you never saw us without our helmets, but I remember being able to take my bangs and they went past my chin, um, during that time. And so I got a haircut, nice haircut, which was just kind of a surprisingly relaxing experience uh, and, like, very enjoyable, like, when they take the straight razor and shave the back of your head, because I always got a medium rig. Well, after I went to combat, I was allowed to have a medium rig. Before that, you can only have a high and tight. But uh, made some phone calls, because they had a phone center. was able to call my family, which I hadn't really been able to since I was in Mosul, um, kind of told him like, yeah, I'm like not with the company again. I'm, I'm and trying to be as secretive as I could. Cause I thought I had to, but I probably didn't have to, but I was just like, yeah, we're, we're in the big man's house. And my dad was like, no shit. My, my parents were pretty stoked on that. Um, so it comes down and they're like, all right, today's the day we have to go to the courthouse. It's outside the wire. It's outside the green zone. And we're like, Oh all right, so we, you know, we bust out our flak jackets, we've got grenades, we've got everything, smoke grenades, I had a radio, I think, for some reason, and we, they're like, okay, meet up, and so we met up, and be, like, right there by the chow hall next to the palace, and there's probably, like, 10 of us, or 12 of us that were all there to go to court that day, and it's all different, like, we were the only two Marine infantrymen and I think we we're the only Marines. But there were a bunch of other like Army and Air Force and Navy people. And there were these two dudes in like pristinely new gear. Like they had the Mitch helmets, which back then now I maybe everybody gets Mitch helmets, but for us it was like only EOD and Special Forces got Mitch helmets because they're so badass. And it's just like a smaller lighter helmet. It's not anything special. But their gear looked like it had never been worn before. Their camis looked pristine,ly clean, and Stinson's like, "Let me guess, EOD or SF?" And they're like, "SF." And Stinson's just like, "Fags!" He just makes one of them to their face, and like, this is in the this is in the safety mission briefing or whatever. Everyone just staring at Stinson and I, like, "Who the fuck are these squirrely motherfuckers?" Because our gear was all destroyed, and we look like shit, and we had too much ammo and grenades on our flak jackets. Um, so we load up in the up armored Suburbans and we start driving and we're driving and we're on the, and we're on the main highway again with uh, the big sword arches and we're driving underneath them. And I might've gotten a picture of them. I don't know. So we pull up and there's a little gap in the giant, like 30 foot Jersey barriers like just the width of one of the sections of Jersey barrier and we park on the highway and they're like, okay guys, we're about to leave the wire. And we're like, Oh, we haven't left the wire yet. And we actually, Oh, so we're foot patrolling to the courthouse. And are like, yes, yeah, so be careful. There's security out there. So we like look through or we, <laughs> we get in like some a sort of a formation and we walk through the opening and the courthouse is like a hundred yards outside the wire <laughs> like it's it's right there, and there's at least a platoon, maybe a company of soldiers with humvees and upguns and all this hardware, like all around the courthouse and all around our path to the courthouse so Sts and I like look at each other and roll our eyes like, oh, leave the wire, I see <laughs> so we walk and then we get in the courthouse and like, okay, wait for your court. And so we're in the waiting room, we're chilling and it's time. It's our turn to go in. So we go in and there's a, there's a judge. There's the kid who I had, who we had nabbed sitting there. And it's a weird situation. Cause it's not like a courthouse where you're on the stand or something. It's just like the judge is behind his normal looking judge thing. But then there's just like a coffee table and benches. So we're just sitting at a coffee table looking across at this kid that, you know, we had nabbed up in the middle of the night. And it's the kid. We we thought it was going to be the high value target, but he's just gone. Like the CIA took him or something. I don't know. He just, we never heard of, heard about him or of him again. And it's just the kid. And I'm like looking at him and I'm like, is this the kid that threw the grenade at me? I'm like starting to second guess myself, and the guys, the guy, the ju- the uh, the uh, the judge asks me, you know, tell the story. I tell him the story. He says, "Mm-hmm, okay." And then he asks Stenson his story. He's like, "Mm-hmm, okay." And then the kid's just sitting there by himself, and we have a, like we have two lawyers with us, and the kid's just sitting there by himself. And then a guy walks in with about. 20 or 30 folders and he like walks up to the judge's desk. He like s- starts going through the folders, picks out a folder, opens it, hands it to the judge, the judge signs it, closes the folder and just walks out and he's like guilty, life in prison. It's just like and then I just was kind of like I feel sorry for this kid. Like that's kind of fucked up. And so then they took him away and the kid looked like he was about to cry. I was just like Okay. And then they're like, all right, thanks guys. And that was the court system in Iraq. And some kid who threw a grenade at me or my, maybe didn't throw a grenade at me, but was definitely hanging out with a bad dude, Freaking got life in prison. So he was probably ISIS when he got out of prison or whatever. I don't know. So who knows what happened to that kid? Um, and then we went back we patrolled in quotations back to the convoy and we cruised back to our hooch and, uh, the weather kept being shitty. So we ended up being there for a long ass time. We ended up being there for like five extra days of just doing nothing, which was relaxing. Um, I had, I had some medical shit. So I was going down to one nine was actually like a company of 1-9 lived in the basement of the embassy. Their anti-terrorism battalion. I don't know what the fuck that means. Or anti-terrorism company. I don't know what the hell that means. But they were just like down there for extra security or something. So I'd go down there to the corpsman to get uh, medicine and get my thumb looked at. Because I, I don't remember if I told you about how I like fucked my thumb up. Like the first, the day that Riley and Kreiser got hit by an IED back in... September October I like fucked my thumb up and it was all infected and shit and this was in February it was still fucked up, um and just and we even like ventured over to like the uh, the British area and went to their PX went to their chow hall to see what the differences was their food was kind of shitty but they had like pretty sure they sold booze and shit at their fucking PX we just weren't allowed to buy it they sold Cuban cigars and stuff I think we bought some of those. Um, and then we, uh, we started our journey home and after being stuck there for a while, then we got stuck in Al-Assad for a while and we kept showing up every day at the time we were supposed to fly out meeting that cute chick who was like starting to be kind of flirty with me and stuff. And, you know, I was like starting to try to talk to her and everything, um, she kept being like, yep, you guys have to stay another day. That's not too bad. And she was like, seemed all happy and stuff. But Stinson and I are like, fuck, we got to get back. You know, we don't know what the fuck's happening to our guys. Because every time I left, I was always super paranoid. And Hillsdorf was, and so was Stenson. We just had this sense of like, we're pieces of shit for being there. You know, we should be with our company suffering like everybody else. And uh, so we, we, you know, she was being flirty and shit. And I... I started being kinda like not receptive. And then on the last day when we finally flew out, she's like, Oh hey, I just want to tell you guys, like I volunteered to go patrol with uh two three or go be with two three. And I just was like, Why the fuck did you do that? And she just like I felt really bad afterwards, but she looked like she was gonna start crying because she's just like, Well I wanna I wanna help out, you know, and it's just kinda like whatever. Like that's fucking stupid. And so then we like flew out like on Bad terms, um, and got back to the company. Nothing really extreme. Nothing really weird happened while we were gone, which was pretty cool. There's definitely like a big lull in the fighting through January, February, um, and that's pretty much all I can think of on on that trip to Baghdad. Like it's just, it's just surreal going to places like that because, you know, there's so many people there. Cause when, we did the math a couple times and the amount of people that were in Iraq. And then when I went to Afghanistan, the same thing, the amount of people that are there and the amount of money that's there compared to the amount of people we have like out of the front, if you will, there is no front line, but like the people actually outside the wire and this is the army too. There's like none of us. We're so spread thin. You know, my battalion was like 30 miles or was it, you heard Montana talk about the convoy. It was like a two day convoy from the nearest base to where my battalion was. And my company was down to like 140 guys at that point. And then you had to patrol for like three hours to get to Echo Company through Maybe not three hours, but you had to, you know, it was, it was up the road away is is where Echo Company was, which is our nearest friendly forces. And you go to these bases and you're just looking around and there's just droves of people like civilians, military, freaking private contractors, like, uh, Blackwater and ages, I think was one of them, Acer or ages, just like cruising around looking like fucking... Like Firebase Gloria shit, you know, just like beer, big beards, and like not giving a fuck, not wearing camis appropriately, like cut-off sleeves and no shirts and shit. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? And and you you would you know the big thing back then was like, this war is costing America a good dollars a day, and you're looking around and you're like, yeah, that's fucking obvious. But then you you think back to like where we were, and it's like, we're eating fucking MREs every day. Like, we ain't getting the money. <laughs> we're not, and we're not even expending tons of ordnance. You know, we're shooting because we weren't really. Ki- we didn't have mortars. We weren't using mortars. We weren't using arty all the time. We weren't having bombs get dropped. We were just getting in little piddly firefights in Haditha, triad, and like losing people. You know, so just kind of bizarre. But I, but it was kind of cool too, going to places like that because you just felt like your dick was like fucking ten feet long. And you just felt like the biggest badass ever, um, because people could just look at you. You're like twenty pounds lighter than you should have been. Twenty pounds lighter than than all the other lance corporals you run into, um, because you're fucking and you just look tough and tired. I don't know. Maybe I just tell myself that to fucking deal with the the suffering that I went through, um. So that's really all I can think of for this episode. I know it's kind of a short one, but it's sort of short notice. Um, I was going to do an interview this afternoon, but that fell through. Um, Not a big deal. We're just rescheduling it. Um, I was also out of town this weekend, and I'm going out of town tomorrow as well. I'm actually going back home to Indiana for Thanksgiving. Um, So all of you listening, if you hear this before Thanksgiving, have a happy Thanksgiving and don't listen to your technocrat overlords go home see your family um don't listen to the government <laughs> basically that's, <laughs> that's one of my things i said i wasn't gonna get political but i mean go fucking see your family have a good thanksgiving that's what matters seeing people that we love that's why people like me and all my friends went and fought in fucking iraq um as always if you're enjoying this and you want to help out there's a patreon link at you know at below this uh podcast in the description and um thank you for the guys that have so far and thank you for listening just to begin with i mean it's awesome that you're checking this out i hope you enjoy it um make it make sure that you if you have questions or comments or you want to uh if you're maybe from Fox company or Echo company or something then hit me up hit me up on facebook on the uh the post for this episode um and enjoy your day have a good thanksgiving later guys